Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, what's going on, No Bad Dog Army? Welcome back to the podcast, and thank you for listening. Happy Tuesday. So sorry I didn't upload yesterday, Monday, at our normal scheduled time. Uh, I just felt like the podcast I recorded, it wasn't good enough. And I want you guys to have the best. And so this is an excellent podcast from start to finish. Uh, you're going to hear some familiar things in there, but you're going to hear some new things about a dog owner struggling. She has two, she has a Liamberger and she has a Bernie's Mountain Dog. Uh, she's a wonderful owner that's trying to uh, do the best she can to make sure that she gets these dogs where they need to be. Big, strong, powerful dogs working on some reactivity, working on stubbornness, uh, just development of a dog owner in general. So a lot of good things in here, a lot of good nuggets of information about tool usage and the whole idea. So hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Uh, You guys know I'm heading out on tour, so I would love to meet you guys. I'm going to the UK right outside of London. Uh, All the working spots for that are sold out, but we have audit spots. So I'd love to meet you guys if you guys want to come hang out and uh, audit and ask questions and uh, hang out. It'd be lovely. And same thing with the US tour. Very excited to come out um, and meet you guys uh, from Nashville all the way out to LA and back. So we're going to hit a bunch of spaces. The link is in the description below. And as always, if you guys like my content, then you'll love the No Bad Dog Army membership, which is my full length YouTube videos. So if you guys watch my YouTube, it's 10 to 15 minute videos. And on the members club, you're getting access to literally the uncut version, which is like an hour to two hours plus all of the other stuff that we do that we don't put on YouTube. So link in the description below. Get yourself some No Bad Dog merch. We just dropped some new shorts. We dropped some new shirt designs. Lots of cool stuff going on. Appreciate you guys. And as always, I'm going to be answering your dog training questions at the end of the podcast. So if you want me to answer your specific dog training question, all you have to do is go over to the iTunes review chart and leave your review and your question within the review. If you're listening to this on Spotify, do me a solid favor. We do this absolutely for free for you guys. Uh, review it. <laughs> All right, let's get into the podcast. So what's going on? So um, I'm a member of your um, No Bad Dogs network. Cool. And um, I've been, my husband and I, we have a 10-month-old Liamberger and an 8-month-old Burner. But for today's call, I'd like to sort of concentrate on the 8-month-old Burner, um, who does not seem to well, there's a couple of issues one is cannot just does not behave on a flat leash so i went ahead and i purchased the slip lead um but i'm wondering if that is like i'm just sort of just trying to figure this out or if it's to the point where i may just need a prong collar or an e-collar because If we have him on a flat collar, he just does not, we don't even exist. He doesn't listen. He's constantly pulling. Um, He's just all over the place. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's weird because if you were to take him to a place where there's other dogs, his eyes are always on us. But if he's in a situation where we're just trying to take him for a walk somewhere and, you know, he's on a, a flat collar, he's just not. He's just constantly pulling and choking himself. Okay. So he's a eight-month-old burner. 
right? Yeah. Have you done? Tr- yeah. So so right now he's probably a big boy and he's pulling on the flat collar, not paying attention, completely disengaged, not yeah. listening. And this have you have you gotten the slip? Or have you tried the slip? I tried the slip. Um, and I, and I tried, you know, cause I've been watching some of your videos. So like trying to get him in and, you know, popping it when he's, when he's not, you know, engaging or listening and, and trying to get him to, to correct him on that. Um, but he thinks it's a toy. And so he's trying to like bite the slip leash and he's, you know, he's, so I'm like, what am I doing wrong? I know I'm doing something wrong. I'm just trying to figure out like how I can just get this corrected. Yeah. Have you, have you done training with him before at all? Like, have you done any traditional training? Not with a trainer, but we've tried to train him like how to walk, um, you know, trying to get him to walk on the, on our right side. And when we say stop, he sits and, you know, give him a treat because he's very food motivated. Um, and you know, he know he knows the basic commands like sit, stay, um, I think he'll know how to leave a treat. If we put a treat down on the floor and we say, leave it, he won't touch it. Mm-hmm. But if he's side on a leash and he's trying to get into something and we say, leave it. And, and if I pop the, pop the leash, he's just still going for it. It's like, he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't listen to the leave it command. Totally. <clears throat> so I think definitely when you, when you get a dog as big as a burner, the prong collar, is usually part of the process just because they're just so strong and it's difficult for dog owners to really gain that control just because, um, you know, it's, they're just big dogs. And so when they, when they go and do something or when they really push forward and you don't have that leverage, you're really SOL. They are just that big and that strong. And so right now, I would say the prong collar would be okay to st- start using, but you have to remember that the prong collar is just a tool. Right. So I always say that, you know, as a contractor shows up to a job, he's got his tools, but it's not going to build the house for him. So you just have to make sure that if you get the prong collar, you're using it as a tool. It's not a magical wand. To some people it can be because that's all they're missing is just a little bit more correction, you know, they, they need a little bit more umph because they have such a big dog or whatever. So anyway, I would say the prong collar could definitely be, you know, big for you, uh, as far as getting that control that you need. It's just a matter of making sure that you're, uh, enforcing things that make sense to the dog, because again, it's just because you get the right tool doesn't mean it's going to build you the house. So you just have to make sure that you're enforcing things that your dog knows, you know, how to do differently, you know what I mean? Or knows how to do in general. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay. Um, the other thing we notice is as he's getting older, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's getting worse and worse, but he, and I, and I know not to use the word reactive. I don't think he's reactive, but maybe he is, but if he's on a leash and there, or even if he's in the house and somebody comes in the house, it's, it's barking, it's backing up, it's barking. And it's like, okay, you know, do we tell people to ignore him and then just let Trevor, his name. So do we <laughs> let Trevor just try to warm up to the people um, gradually if they're in the house or if he's on a leash and they're trying to approach him? Like we're always saying like, you know, people and I and I watch your podcast, your 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 posts every week. It's like mm-hmm. 
people are constantly asking, oh, can we pet your dog? And I'm like, I really don't think that's a good idea, but I appreciate you asking just because I know like he's going to bark at them. And, and if they're small children, like the children get scared. So yeah, for sure. Um, I'm trying to figure out like, okay, so is that ever, is there ever a correction or is it just going to be that way? Well, I love that his name's Trevor, by the way. That's <laughs> such a good, such like a good burner name. Uh, I would say a little bit of both. I mean, is he fixed yet? No. Okay. So uh, dogs, I'm, the only reason why I was asking is because dogs can go through these different like fear periods or these times in their lives where they're like suspicious of certain things. And sometimes it can last a month. Sometimes it can last a week. And they go through this like this fear period uh, of, of just being like insecure for no real particular reason. But regardless, I, I think it's a little bit of both. I think you have to make sure that you're being conscious and mindful of the people that are approaching your dog. So uh, w let's talk about the reactivity for a second. So let's say somebody came up to say, Hey, you know, you got and burner. I think just large dogs in general create such attention. <clears throat> and mm -hmm. sometimes that's why people get them sometimes not. But um, anyway, th that's just going to happen. I think it's inevitable to have a big, pretty dog walking down and people are going to be like, Oh, can I pet your dog? And anyway, so it's, I totally understand and empathize towards dog owners. Cause I'm a lover too. Like if I see a dog, I'm like, man, that's a cute dog, but I respect dogs and I know enough to not, you know, go up and, and pet that particular dog. So anyway, how you handle that situation, I think is going to be, uh, well, let's talk about what he does first. So somebody comes up to your dog <clears throat> trying to pet him. And what what starts to happen? Yeah, he's pulling on the leash. He's going for me. He's barking at them. But but it's funny, like because I know that he's probably not going to bite them. I think he's just it. Maybe it's the insecurity. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But he's definitely barking and pulling on the leash. Mm hmm. Okay. Um. So you feel like it's just like a reactive thing. I do. Okay. So I I would say that again. Like I I feel like having a dog that isn't controlled on the leash will self-perpetuate into reactivity because they just feel so out of control, if that makes any sense. They're just all over the place and and it can make it can make a dog more reactive, I find. And so what what I would suggest is when you're out with him, I mean, first of all, the control that you'll start to get with the prong collar will certainly be really helpful because that will give confidence. So control, having this is what I've seen in my experience working with reactive and fearful dogs. If you have a dog that is out of control, the way that, uh, the way that Trevor is a lot of times the insecurity can build where they're like, I'm out of control. I, they're not thinking they're out of control, but what they're thinking is, is nobody is telling me what I can and can't do, which makes me potentially, uh, insecure and vulnerable. And I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then they become protective. And I I've seen it kind of self perpetuate into this, um, I don't get control from my owners. Therefore I'll step up to the plate and handle things, especially when we start dealing with a, a, a dog becoming an adult dog. So right now he's eight months old. So as an intact male, you're going to start finding him to become an adult, which means his behaviors are going to change. His hormones are going to change so on and so forth. And you're just going to start to see some changes, not necessarily bad changes, but you'll start to see changes. So what I would suggest is just getting control of the dog in general to make sure that you have 
the most control possible because it'll make him feel less insecure if that's happening with him, which usually it is. Um, the other things that can be really helpful for you is just making sure that you control the situation as it happens because especially an eight-month-old dog, they become, I mean, dogs in general, they become very, uh, they can become very uh, opportunistic. So they just, they just do something. So think about the dog's mind, your dog's mind anyway. He is going out into the world and when he wants to do something, he just does it. Even though you try to stop him verbally and even physically, so say there's another dog or a squirrel or, you know, a dead, a dead, you know, chipmunk on the side of the road. He, when he lunges and goes, this is mine, I'm going to go eat and roll and sniff and do whatever I want to do here. And you go, Trevor, leave it, heal, whatever you say. Mm-hmm. And then you try to physically pull him back at the same time. Mm-hmm. And he's like, nope, don't care. That's where that's where I think the problem starts to happen is you ask him to do something, you know, every day, every hour, you know, whatever the case is, right? You say, no, don't do this, whatever it is, whether if it's a sit stay or a recall or whatever. And he just does it anyway. I think that that's where a lot of insecurity starts to happen. I think it's a split. I think it's an insecurity thing of, I'll handle this situation, mom, take a, take a seat in the back. And I also think it's just, uh, what are you going to do about it? Opportunistic, almost bratty thing as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense, actually. So I think it's just, and it's hard, and regardless, that's just, those are the two big applications to what we're talking about with Trevor. And you can kind of pick and choose what you think he's more of, because I don't know, because I don't know him. But those are typically what we, what we see. And when you get a dog that is unsure of something and then they don't have the opportunity to look at somebody that's supposed to be in charge, that's where I find them to be more reactive for that reason. Okay. Does that make, does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So I think that that's, that's what happens is you get a dog that, you know, just doesn't know what else to do. And they look at you and you go, and you're not really giving clear, concise. Sometimes the dog doesn't know clear, concise behaviors. Sometimes uh, even if they do, you're not enforcing them. So therefore it doesn't matter. So let's say you go to the fair and your kid knows, hold my hand and be patient, please. And thank you. Listen to me, wait for me. And you get to the fair and your kid just opens that door and just runs across the parking lot and you're screaming your head off and you're chasing them and they're kicking people and running and grabbing things off the stands and eating cotton candy in somebody else's hand. I mean, just a chaos thing. And that's exactly what it, it's the same type of principles for dogs that you're dealing with here. When you go out, he's pulling one way, he's pulling the other way. And some people don't look at it like that, but if you know canine behavior, that's actually what's happening is your dog is walking you. Your dog is not listening to you. Your dog is not paying attention to you. Your dog is not engaged with you. When you say something to your dog, it goes in one ear and out the other. They don't care. There's no enforcement. There's no respect. There's no boundaries. There's no structure. It's just chaos. And so that chaos can create insecurity or it can create more chaos. So even if the dog isn't secure, they're like, I'm going to scare the crap out of this person coming up to us because what are you going to do about it? Or it's, 
I have to get this person away from me because I need to protect mom because mom has no idea what she's doing because she's taught me over the years that, or the months that there's, there's no control. Do you know what I mean? Right. Or there's just an aggressive dog or whatever, or an insecure dog, which I don't think that that's what you're dealing with. I think you're, you're dealing with a blend of different things. Right. So anyway, that's interesting because, uh, Winston, who is the 10 month old Leonberger is complete opposite. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, I feel like when we try to walk them together, I'm also trying to train them separately. So like 10 minutes, you know, in the backyard, like trying to put the slip leash on, trying to get Trevor to, 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 to walk on that. But Winston is completely opposite. He is laid back. He's stubborn. He, you know, he won't listen sometimes, but he's Mm -hmm. not, you know, he's just, he loves everybody. He just wants to meet everybody. Whereas Trevor is, and I'm wondering if that had something to do with it. I don't know, maybe not, but I don't know if that dynamic is, is what's, it, it, could it contribute to Trevor being the one to say, Hey, listen, I'm the alpha. Like I, I need to be the one to bark at people and, and try to protect you. It could be some, some dogs like just with human behavior, some dogs are more, Hey, uh, you know, like I'll, yeah, I mean, yeah, it could be for sure. It could be a thing, but it's not like a, it's not necessarily like an alpha thing. It's more, it's more about personalities. So I think some dogs are going to be more, you know, Hey, uh, uh, go handle this. And other dogs are going to be like, some dogs are just more suspicious than others. Some dogs care a lot. Some dogs don't. So just like with kids, right? You get two, three, four kids. They're all going to be, some of them can be polar opposites. So it's the same thing with dogs. So sometimes you get dogs that just don't care. Some dogs are are born just naturally confident and they really just do not care about anything. They just kind of do their own thing. Nothing can really bother them. Um, and then there's other dogs that need a little bit more structure where they're like, Hey, I need you to grab the wheel here because I am naturally an insecure dog or whatever the case may be. So like I said, I, I just think it's a, it's a mixture of it's a combination of all these things. But I mean, to answer your question, it's likely that the dogs are just, you know, just different. I think they're just different. Right. So, right. um, anyway, but you get two different breeds too. So yeah. it's, you know, it's, a, it's there, that is a real thing, you know, d- different breeds will definitely act, you know, a certain way or not. So anyway, you, but don't focus so much on like the unicorn dog that you just got lucky with because there's a good chance, no offense, that it's not that you did things right with that dog. It's just the dog doesn't care about anything. Right. You know, and then you get another dog that's like, who they're very suspicious, right? And they're very opportunistic and they can be protective and they're, you know, they just have this more innate whatever. So anyway, so I, I, I think you should just like focus on, okay, this dog is starting to spiral out of control and I need to gain control. So I think it just comes back down to the basics of handling like how much, think about this. This is an easy question for most dog owners is, excuse me, if you have a dog that's having behavioral issues and you want them to stop these behavioral issues, which means you want them to listen to you. This is, this is the perspective that most dog owners don't think about. When you have a dog doing bad behaviors or doing things you don't like, and you want them to change that behavior, that essentially means that you want them to listen to you, you want them to modify their behavior, you want them to respect you, that you want them to do all these things. 
but you have to look at like your very preliminary foundation and ask yourself, will my dog listen to me at a very small, easy, basic level? And if the answer is no, then you can't even touch the behavior. You can't do it because they're two different. It's like a very easy test and then the hardest test you can get. So the very easy test is teaching your dogs new behaviors, positive reinforcement, creating new behaviors, um, just getting your dog motivated to work with you and doing the place and the touch and the heel and the recall, doing all of these things. Hey, dog, do this. Good job. Hey, dog, do this. Good job. Hey, dog, do this. Aren't wrong. Do it differently. Do it differently. Okay, good. So if you don't have that foundation, then the, there's there's zero chance that you can change the dog's behavior in the future because your relationship, a good relationship is needed to do that. And good training is needed to do that. Does that make sense? Yep. So yeah. anyway, those are things that a lot of people struggle with is they're like, hey, I have this huge behavioral problem. And I'm like, all right, let's, let's just, that's why if you watch my videos, the first thing I do with anybody coming in, it doesn't matter if it's a, my dog's a little reactive, I want some help, or my dog has a bite history or has even killed other animals. The first thing I do is I go, I just want to see how you can handle your dog. And they go around the room and the dog pulls him left and right and spins him around and does the hokey pokey. And I'm like, we can't even talk about your problems of why you've traveled to be here because you don't, you can't even ask your dog to walk on a leash. That's so that's something that I always have to have to kind of, that's the process, right? Like people like, Oh, I want to build this big, beautiful house. Like, okay, we got to build a foundation first. So when you're picking out shutters and what type of grass you're going to plant in the yard, but you don't have the foundation built yet, you're wasting your time. So that's what I would suggest to you is get back down to the basics with Trevor to make sure that like, if you can't get your dog to sit and stay, you know, with basic distractions around, maybe the food ball moving around, maybe a tennis ball moving around, maybe you say and sit, stay, and you take one step away from the dog, literally asking your dog to sit and stay next to you and then you walk forward just one step and your dog gets up, that's that's the most basic training that you could possibly do with any dog. And if you can't accomplish the most basic thing, you can't even start the engines of trying to get rid of a behavior. Okay. Yeah, he's good with sit and stay. I mean, he's good with the base, that, those two basic things. He's good with, like I said, like leave it in the house. Mm-hmm. You get him on a leash and it's, yeah, I, I think, um, I think w- what, um, what you're probably missing is that, uh, enforcement of the prong collar. Okay. Yeah. I, I think it's, I think it can be that simple for you because basically if, if you were to break it down to say what's missing, I think what's missing is the fact that when Trevor knows the behavior, so say we say Trevor heal or sit and stay. He knows it inside. You've been practicing it. He's got it. And then you go outside and you say, Trevor, sit and stay or heal or whatever. You ask him to, you, you ask him to do something, right? The template is that. doesn't matter really what it is. You ask him to do something that he knows. And then there's a distraction. And he says, I'm doing this instead. And then you don't have the ability to correct him or punish him on time and go, right. that's wrong. Then, yeah, that's where things can go south for most people is because – Every single time that you ask your dog to do something and they flip you off and ignore you and do it anyway, and you don't have leverage or accountability at that moment, 
you're taking a step back and it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And I've seen it over many, 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 many years of working with dogs professionally and being a dog lover myself first before I'm an educator, teacher, trainer. I would give people the most efficient, fast way to help their dogs. And I've seen people try to avoid, go the other way, distract, and it doesn't work for 97% of people, most dog owners, almost every dog owner that I've met. And so by assertively popping the collar with something that the dog actually cares about is likely what you're missing. Okay. And the end goal would be to do the training with the prong collar so that eventually it's like you said, it's no longer needed where he's, he's focused with a standard leash. Is, is that well, it, is or a, is it? Yeah, it's a great question. So the goal is for you to just teach this dog how to behave and what they're doing is wrong. That's the goal with any dog training that we're doing. So if you think about positive reinforcement, positive reinforcement by definition is to encourage a behavior to happen again in the future. Positive punishment is to discourage a behavior by adding punishment to the equation. So when we're training the dog with positive reinforcement, sit, good sit, boom, they get a treat. Heal, good heal, boom, they get a treat. The goal is to start them off on that training wheel structure, positive reinforcement, good job, buddy, good job, buddy, you're doing great kindergarten type stuff. And then over time in development, we don't need to tap them on the shoulder every single time they do something right. Or we don't need to give them an Italian deli every time they do something right. They know the behavior. We ask them to do it. Good job. So it's the same exact thing with positive punishment. When we're correcting a behavior, you may have to use an external punishment system, just like an re external reward system with food sometimes to, to capture behaviors. We're punishing the dog's behavior, maybe in this case with a prong collar because you have a very big, large, powerful dog. So we're using the prong collar to control the dog so they're not choking themselves out or worse, not listening. <laughs> so when you're punishing behaviors, it's to teach. So when you say Trevor heel and he sees another dog or he sees a kid or whatever and he breaks his heel and you pop him, he will look at you and go, oh, is that wrong? You go, leave it. And then he makes a better decision and then you pay him. A perfect example. I don't know if you saw that. Did you see the recent uh, free dog training video I did with that Westie? What was his name? Oh, don't ask me that. I don't know. Oh, you know, yes, I did. I did. The, the white. Yes, yes it, correct. Yes. He's like, he's a maniac. You were on uh -huh. the side of the road. Yes, yes, I did do that. So perfect example. If you go back and watch that, it's, it's literally exactly almost what you're dealing with, just with a smaller dog. So she's, she, we are doing our free dog training thing, which is always interesting because we never know what we're going to come about, right? Because we're just walking around. And she said, oh, can you, can you help me with this dog? And basically she said, like, hey, my dog is crazy. My dog is really sweet and nice, but is reactive to other dogs. I tried this other training for like, I don't know what she said, a long time. And she was just, when the dog started to get reactive and do the behavior we didn't like, the other trainer told her to just walk away and encourage the dog to walk away. And so she's like, I've been struggling with this. It's really hard. He's a sweet dog, but I can't bring him anywhere because this is crazy. And she's a psychologist. So she was just saying that like, this makes no, this training makes no sense. And I go, okay. <clears throat> so I said, you mind if I just put a little slip collar on the dog? She said, no, that's fine. So a dog walked up because we were in a busy park and he started to build and he started to react. And I just popped the leash once. If you watch back and watch this video, it's, it's 
beautifully. It almost looks staged. It's like, that's what I was telling my videographer. I'm like, people are going to think this is staged because it was just so beautifully done. Everything was beautiful about it. It was perfect. It, it couldn't have gone better. <laughs> so we were walking up. The other dog was walking by. The Westie started to build and get reactive. I boop, and I popped the collar and he turned and looked at me, went into a sit and I paid him. Right. It was beautiful. And then the dog owner took the leash as we were walking away and another dog walked and I, I watched and she corrected the dog and the dog stopped barking. And then he, she paid the, the dog for the first time. The dog stopped barking because she punished the dog for the behavior we didn't like. It's ludicrous and insanity for anybody to try to use positive reinforcement to discourage a behavior because by definition it's impossible. So anyway, that's not your case, but I'm just saying that assertive quick pop for this particular dog changed everything in a second. And I think if you try to do that, or if you do do that with like a prong collar that the dog actually cares about, you'll see very quick changes just like that dog did. Okay. Um, and then the other question I have is so we create, we create them at night and, you know, Winston, no problem. You know, he's very like, yep, yeah, it's morning. I'll, I'll get up and a nice stretch and he saunters out of the crate. Mm-hmm. Trevor, on the other hand, is like a maniac. He's, you know, he was jumping on us and now it's to the point where he's big enough where he could almost knock me over. Mm-hmm. And when it's five o'clock in the morning and my balance is not that great to begin with. Sure. Uh, it's going to get a little dangerous. So I've started scatter feeding so that when he comes out of the tree, you know, here, Trevor, find him, you know, but it's mm-hmm. like, again, is that just a means to sort of like, I, I guess I'm struggling with what's the goal because are we just going to have to keep always doing that? Or is the goal to try to get him to like get his attention elsewhere so that he knows not to like, I guess the whole purpose of scatter feeding is to, not only distract him, but to, I guess, is it like almost a reward for not jumping? I don't know. Um, it could be. It could be. Um, I've used scatter feeding a couple times for certain dogs. Um, typically, these dogs are uh, aggressive and uh, reactive and whatever. But um, I, I would say, I would say that the goal would ultimately be and this is the difficult thing. I think the goal would ultimately be to put a leash on the dog and be able to hold the dog accountable when he does the behaviors that we don't like. So I know that it's kind of crazy and chaotic in the morning and things can get kind of like not realistic. So you just have to be realistic, right? Same thing with kids. You pull up to Disneyland and you get three kids in the, in the back and they see the Mickey mouse and they're so, and you turn around and say, everybody be calm. (laughs) it's kind of like come on i mean have have some 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 compassion here for what's about to happen i mean yes you can be excited and but don't scream at the top of your lungs make sure you pay attention to mom and dad when we get out of the car i mean there's certain regulations right so and i always use parenting because we were either we have kids or we were kids once and we understand it right so my point is is when you get a dog and it's first thing in the morning especially an eight-month-old puppy Pretty much after eight months, the dog is not a puppy to me, but he's still like in that puppy mode, right? So he gets out and he's excited. It's first thing in the morning. He's charged up. He's ready to go. So I think you just have to be, it's very discretionary on what's appropriate and what's not. But I think there's an outlet that needs to happen fairly. So I wouldn't recommend like 
popping a prong collar on him and correcting him immediately because I think you may like make him sad. He's like, well, I just wanted to say hi to you in the morning. I think what I would do is like, if you have an opportunity to pop him out, do you have a fenced in yard? Uh, we do. Okay. So some, sometimes like what I suggest for like, look my dog, Lakota, um, if she, like she, she gets, I have like three different doors in my house and she thinks everybody's going to the door to take her out to play with her. So she's always going crazy. So there's certain times during the day where like she's fired up and I'll just pop a door open and let her go. And I won't add any obedience because it doesn't matter. So I think in the morning you just have to decide like, Hey, I'm just going to let him outside, let him run around, let him go potty, let him just get these little jitters out. Right. And let him be a dog, maybe throw the ball around a couple times, let him play with the other dog. And then when he comes inside, maybe put the leash and collar on and start doing a little bit of training. But ultimately, ultimately, just like I was saying with positive reinforcement, your voice should be the thing that the dog listens to. So when you asked me about changing from the prong to the flat, I didn't really answer that. So sorry. But basically, I always tell people when you have a dog that's that big, if it were my, like my St. Bernard was 145 pounds and he didn't like other dogs. He wasn't going to go after other dogs. He wasn't going to chase dogs down. But if another off-leash dog came up to him, it he, he dropped the gloves. Like he doesn't like other dogs. He's an intact male. He's over it, right? Yeah. So my, my point is, is 140, like my wife is a 110 pounds soaking wet. She's a little human. And if she's walking my 145 pound dog and God forbid another dog, he's passed away now, but this was back in the day last year. God forbid another dog did come up and she was on a flat collar or harness just because the dog is trained. And like, of course he's trained, of course he listens, but there's certain things that are going to happen that you're going to need control because it's such a big dog, you know? So anyway, so my point is, is the application of the prong collar is what you should be auditing instead of actually the dog wearing the equipment, right? It'd be the same thing as your airbags in your car. How many times do we go out and drive places without the airbags going on because we know how to drive? Um, 99.9% of the time, but God forbid you needed that security and that safety blanket and then boom, you have it. You're good. So, Try not to think about getting rid of the equipment. Think about more of the usage of the equipment because that's what really matters. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. But going back to what we were saying with the jumping in the morning is when you say off, like right now, when you say things like, "Uh uh-uh, leave it off, you have to think about how much that means to your actual dog. Like, do they respect, is that something that your dog goes, oop, I don't want to get in trouble? Or is that something that your dog is going to be like, it doesn't even register to them. That's what you have to think about. Now, if that, like what we call like a corrective marker or like a punishment marker, like there's a, there's, there's different markers. So there's a reward marker, which would be like, yes, good. Yay. You did it. Right. Where they're like, oh, I did something right. And then there would be like corrective punishment markers, whatever you want to call them. Where you're like, ah, leave it. No bad down off. Right. Your voice inflection. And then usually enforced with some sort of physical correction with a dog that big. And if that doesn't mean anything to your dog, then you need to get something out to assist you or enforce these things into dogs. They don't understand English. So if you said, Trevor, you're a really bad dog, he's not going to go into his room and write in his journal or post something on Instagram or listen to sad music. He doesn't know what that means. That's why we use tools to help us communicate with our dogs effectively and efficiently. That's why that one Westie, she worked for a long time 
And this is a sweet dog that she loves, that she wants to bring places, but she can't go anywhere because this dog is so reactive. And I corrected the dog once and it changed this dog's life forever because mm-hmm. I was assertive. I go, nope. And, and it's not because she was doing things wrong. It's because she went with the trainer that doesn't believe in telling dogs no when they're doing something wrong. They believe in running away from the problem, which I'm not saying that that's wrong or right. I'm just saying it doesn't work, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and so. you can't, like, how are you supposed to get through the day if you're always trying to redirect the dog to get away from something? Yeah, her trainer just said, just, just go home or walk at times when there's no dogs. Yeah, that's not realistic. It's not realistic. It's not fair. It's insanity. It's the, put the dog in the shelter. Honestly, the right. dog would have been happier in the shelter. The dog would get more exercise in a shelter with that type of protocol. Anyway, so I think if you start working on assertively correcting the dog for this behavior, again, like positive reinforcement, sit, good sit. We shouldn't need food forever. We can use v- verbal praise, verbal positive reinforcement. It's the same thing with a correction. So if a dog jumps up, we say, ah, uh-uh, leave it off and the dog should get off. There's this whole stigma about fear-free training. And if you're doing fear-free training, to me, that's that's a bit worrisome as a professional because that means that when you tell a dog, hey, don't do this, they have no fear that about anything. They're like, there, there's no fear. Like there's no fear of getting in trouble, right? And, and I f- find that to be difficult to be working with dogs when they don't fear anything. Or they're, you know, like that look that mom and dad used to give you for something and you just stopped what you're doing. You're like, okay, my bad. I know that I'm in trouble. Or like when we're, when we're speeding and we slow down because we don't want to get in trouble or any, any, there's fear in everything that we do, right? That's what keeps us safe as human beings is learning from our mistakes. There's not, there's not a world in the universe that we live in fear-free life, right? So, but there's a difference between your dog fearing you as a person because of your actions towards the dog and your dog fearing punishment because of the behavior that's ultimately going to get them in trouble or killed. So that's what you have. To, you have to have some sort of filter that you go, leave it. And your dog goes, oh, sorry, I don't want to get in trouble, which is typically enforced by some sort of punishment, just like with kids, right? You say, they say, hey, can I do this? You say, no. If they don't have fear of you grounding them, taking their iPhone away or kicking them off TikTok, then they're not going to do, they're not going to listen. That's just, that's just how the world works. And dogs are even worse than that because they're very primal, which means if they are excited, they may come up and crack your nose and and break your nose in half and make you bleed all over the place because they just are excited to see you and they're big jargon heads. Right. So I think just having that prong collar, leave it off, boom, boom. And I think that that's what you're missing is that enforcement. Okay. Yeah. So the prong collar I would suggest for you is probably a 3.0. So there's different gauges of prongs. Yeah. So the 3.0 is probably the best collar for you guys. Okay. And then get us, make sure you get a safety clip with that. Okay. And we have safety clips on our website, but. Okay. Yep. Okay. That's helpful. And then. I keep saying this. I have you on speaker. My husband's here. His name is Tom as well. Um, But so we're guilty of some days, not all days, but we're guilty of the, you know, like off, down, stop it, Uh cut it out, you know, and we can't do that, right? Like it has to be the one word command. If it's off, we just have to keep saying off. And then when he gets off, say good off and, you know, like that, right? Like that's. Yes and no. Uh, so I, I 
would say, um, like when we're doing, when we're correcting a dog for something, I typically would just say like, say it like once, don't do it over and over again. So it'd be like, like, uh, any, for anything off, like it wouldn't be off, off. Cause you got to think, um, when you're asking your dog to do something, whether it's a sit or a off or a recall, uh, you're commanding them to do something. So you as the teacher, you as the dog owner, you as the parent, air quotes, are are commanding the dog to do a, do something. And if they don't do it, and then you ask them even one more time, then that tells you a lot about your relationship, right? Go to your room, go to your room, do your homework, do your homework, do your homework. Show up on, you know, it's just over and over and over again. And then that, that dilutes your relationship. So typically it's especially, that's why you have to set yourself up. Like you get your prong collar, you get your leash out and you say, Hey, people are going to be coming over. He's going to be excited or whatever's going to happen. And the dog does something and you say, leave it or off. And then if they don't do it, you immediately enforce that with punishment. Got it. So it's not, I'm going to ask you to do it again and again and again and again and again, because that will dilute your relationship and your dog just won't listen to you. And that's where people get into to problems as then because, because it's essentially like, I think again, let's, let's just switch gears and say like you were a manager of a business and you had employees and you said, Hey, I need you here at eight o'clock. And then they show up at eight twenty, eight fifteen. I need you here at eight, eight twenty. I need you here at eight, eight thirty. Hey, I really need you here at eight, nine, right? They're just pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And if you're just like, if you just keep asking them to do it over and over and over again without repercussion or accountability or correction or punishment, why would they listen? Why would they change? Because they like their extra sleep. They want to stop extra and get coffee and talk. There's just no urgency or fear of getting in trouble. So if they jump up, off. If they don't, pop. So the next time they jump up, you say off, and then they have a decision to make here. They say, oh, last time I got in trouble... And then they get off and you go, yay, good off. And that's like, again, I did that in about 30 seconds with this dog the other day and it was sustainable. Like it wasn't even just like a fluke. Like I did it twice. The owner did it walking away and it was beautiful. And now they're moving on. So that's just what you have to do. Dogs just need that assertiveness. I know we've been talking about Trevor. Mm -hmm. I also wanted to pick your brain about Winston, who is our Leonberger. Um, Typically, at least they say anyways, the breed has been known to be a little bit stubborn. Mm -hmm. He will not, he just recently, and he's 10 months, he's intact. So, you know, we're already starting to see some of his changes in, in behaviors and and whatnot. Um, But in the last couple of weeks, he's decided, and he did this before and then he stopped, but He's just decided he's not going to come inside. Mm-hmm. He's not in the house. He's just like, nope, I'm going to lay down right here. I'm going to roll around in the grass. When it's 98 degrees outside, I'm like, no, you have to come in the house. Like, this is not good. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And again, he's a hundred and some pounds at 10 months. And I'm not going to be able to pick him up or do anything. So I'm thinking, you know, I haven't tried the slip leash on him just because that really is the only issue with Winston is just that he won't come in the house when we need him to. Like he's just, he just wants to lay outside and just be stubborn. Sure. Um, so I don't know if a prong collar would do anything for that. I mean, well, it could, but again, like you, you, you have to, 
you have to really think about what you're asking. Again, like you can't show up to a job site and have a hammer and a, and, and a screw gun and have it build your house. Like you have to know what you're doing with those tools and you have to, you as the handler have to be using them. So the again, don't think of the prong collar as like, it's just a tool, right? So right. <clears throat> when you're, you got to know how to like, do you know how to cut wood and build a house? Like you can't just build a house, right? And that's what creating like a good relationship with the dog is like. So you just have to remember that when you're asking your dog to do something and they're not doing it, the first question you have to ask yourself is, does the not dog know the behavior? If you haven't taken a week of teaching that dog the behavior so they know it and you know that they know it, you can't ask him to do it and expect him to do it. There's that. And then there's the training process of doing it in reality. So again, we talked about this in the very beginning of our conversation where if you have a behavioral problem, but you can't get your dog to sit on command with distractions, you can't even touch the behavior. So my, my point is, is when you're asking a dog to recall outside off leash, Mm -hmm. let's say five is the most trained dog in the world. And one is a dog with no behavior. You're asking the dog to do a level four task. He's off leash. So how much off leash training have you done? He's in your backyard. You're outside, right? And you're asking the dog to do the behavior. How much time have you practiced that behavior to do? If the answer is zero to none on those, then you can't ask the dog to do anything. You can't do it. It's not fair for anybody. It's not fair for you. It's not fair for the dog. Sometimes you can get lucky. Hey, buddy, come on. Let's go. And they go, oh, we're excited. But you have to, they have to really know the behavior before we can start complaining about, you know, and you have to practice it too. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out of how we can practice. I mean, well, all you I do. Yeah. Do. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I guess we need to first practice it in the house. Uh huh. Because exactly. as soon as we outside, forget it. Like, well, yeah, that's, yeah, for sure. Yep. Well, that, but, but, but to so, and I know that this is like, you're, you're talking through this and stuff, but to me, that is like the grass is green and the sky is blue. Like, mm-hmm. meaning when you're working with a dog, like you being like, oh, my dog won't listen off leash a off leash it it takes us six weeks in a professional training facility to get a dog off leash for us right working right. every day so you're saying my dog off leash so there's the one step won't do this behavior and then you have to really audit how well your dog knows that behavior so you're dealing with a double whammy here and you're scratching your head being like i don't know what's going on it's like but those are two really big asks for a dog and if you haven't been practicing those things often then yeah the the dog's not going to listen especially with like a more genetically imposed stubborn you know dog or whatever so so my point is is you getting frustrated over that is like me being like well what did you expect like that's crazy to think otherwise right right so i know it's frustrating but at the same time from a professional standpoint that checks out like 100,000%. It's like, Mm -hmm. hey, we haven't really worked off leash and we haven't really structured a recall over and over and over again for about a week so the dog understands what, hey, dog, come, means. And we're outside and my dog won't listen to me. And I'm like, and? Go on, (laughs) next. That that checks out like 1,000%. Like that doesn't, 
that doesn't surprise me in any way, shape or form. So when I take him outside to go to the bathroom, I always do keep him on a leash because I, he has gotten through the fence at one time and ended up in the neighbor's yard. So like now that happened once and now I'm fearful of that ever happening again. So I'm always with him with a leash outside, Mm -hmm. like walking him around the house. But um, I'm just, yeah. So I think I need to, again, go back to the basics with him, with the, the recall on the leash, master that first. Yep. And then, then see what would happen off leash. Exactly. Um, but you just have to like, so going back to what you were saying, as you said, like, I don't even know how to start that, you know, off leash stuff is you'd, you'd, first of all, you'd have to teach him recall. So again, it's, it's, this is the equation and template that I'm hearing. And I hear from everybody is my dog won't do this, whatever that is. My dog won't do X. Okay. How much time have you spent on teaching and developing the dog on X inside in a medium distraction and then a high distraction? How much time have you spent on that? Which sometimes can take two weeks for dog owners. It's like zero. Right. Next. (laughs) So, so you, so, but here's the thing is I also understand that as a dog owner, you may ask your dog to do something and they may, you may get lucky and they may kind of understand it and you may just, it may just happen. So you just kind of falsely think that your dog knows this. Cause that's the other thing too, is like, you may say, Hey, come on, come on, buddy, let's go. And he might just be like, Oh, cool. We're going this way. But they don't, you haven't structured what recall really is and what you expect from the dog. Because then if I take it a step further, cause here's what'll happen too, is people will say, my dog runs right past me or my dog comes and circles me in a radius and then kind of runs away again. But then I say, well, how much time have you spent? What, okay. And I go, what do you, let me back up. I say, what do you want your dog to do? Well, I want my dog to just run to me and uh, sit right in front of me. I'm like, okay. So you want your dog to be a, have a competitive recall. How much time have you worked on recall? And how much time have you worked on getting your dog to touch right in front of you? Zero. Next. So you just have to really say, hmm, what do I want my dog to do? And how much time have I spent on teaching the dog to do that exact thing? So for recall, it would be working inside. Like you said, you get your long line. You could even get a flat collar inside because likely your dog's going to come to you, but you got to start, get the wheels turning. So you say dog come. And then if they don't pop and then they come running towards you and then you pay him break and then you break the dog because this is where a lot of people get confused. So they say, Tom, my dog comes to me and then runs away. I say, okay, well, when you ask your dog to do a behavior, it doesn't matter if it's sit or down or recall or stay or leave it. You're putting the dog into a gear, like a manual transmission. You are going, come, gear. Once the dog does the behavior, they're sitting in that gear until you release them out of that gear. Now, if you're the dog owner that asked the dog to do a behavior and you don't compartmentalize and then break the dog, then the dog is going to say, I'm going to do something on my terms. And then once I get paid, I'm, I'm moving on without your permission. And that's right. where you're going to go, yeah, my dog just walks away. I'm like, because you've enabled and taught the dog that that's what they can do. So right. it should be dog come. And then they sit in front of you or they do like a finish command. And then you break them out or you ask them to do something else. I just created a course that we're working on launching. Uh, if you're in the members club, you may have heard me talk about this already. But this goes over Every single thing that we've talked about today, reactivity, placing, recalling, all that stuff. So that'll be, that'll be a good thing for you. But 
regardless, um, that's what you have to do. So then you start transitioning into a medium distraction. So maybe you go out into the driveway, you go out maybe to the front yard, but you still have your long line on because when you say, Hey dog, come. And they're like, yeah, but squirrels or yeah, but grass pop. So that accountability is likely what you're missing. It's the same thing with your, this is the same. I, it's the same thing for almost, I would say 95% of dog owners who hire me deal with the same exact template every time my dog is doing something. I don't. So behaviorally it's my dog is doing something. I don't like barking, lunging, biting, etc. How's your foundation of getting your dog to not do these? It doesn't exist. Burnt next. Or it's my dog doesn't listen to me, but it's the friendliest dog in the world. How much time have you spent on the behaviors that you, that you want your dog to do differently? Well, zero next, it's literally like clockwork. And so for you, it's the same exact thing. You just have to teach the dog what you want them to do alternatively and practice it until you can get a realistic, fair outcome of like, this is what I want you to do. And you know better because we've practiced this a bazillion times. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Yep. Makes sense. Sweet. So get yourself a long line, pop the collar, develop it, but don't go from zero to a hundred. That's what a lot of people make the mistake is they go, Oh, we just did it inside with really nothing going on with a bag of treats. And then I unclipped the leash. We went outside and the dog didn't come. <laughs> I'm like, no, nope. <laughs> no shit. Like, duh. But I like, again, I, and I don't mean to poke fun or, or, or be impatient, but for me, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, well, yeah, those are like such, it's like saying like, you've never played uh, football before and you tried out for the chiefs and you didn't get on the team. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't get on the team. Like, mm, duh. So, but I understand that dog owners don't see it you know, as, as clearly as I do, which is why I do what I do. But anyway, you just have to take your time. That's all. And just develop it up. Okay. Yeah. And you'll be fine. I have some, I have some things I got to get going on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just work on it. Get yourself a prong collar and a slip or I'm sorry, a safety clip. And then, uh, just get to work. Perfect. Thanks, Tom. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Have a good day. Good luck. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, you guys, you've reached the end of the podcast, so I'm going to be answering three of your dog training questions. This first question comes from Simply Dogs. Five-star review. Thank you so much, Simply Dogs. Question about my puppy. Hello, I would like to first say thank you so much for your YouTube. It's helped me so much, my reactive older dog. My question is not about my older dog, but about my family's new six-month-old German Shepherd puppy. We believe she is a 50-50 with Malinois, if that helps. She is super sweet and great with our older dog. And a dog she knows and plays with. But when she has other dogs walking by, she barks at them. This is fear response, and I think because she doesn't want to actually go say hi to them when given the chance. Depending on if the owner is okay with it, we let her get comfortable with the dog. Once she starts to play bow, if the dog tries to play with her, she gets scared and bolts. I'm wondering if it's because she's obviously interested and wants to play with other dogs. Should we let her Should we let her get to know them rather than pull her away and correct it? If we'd obviously... It would obviously be with the owner's consent. Uh, thank you so much for your help, my irritable dog, owner of Daisy, older dog, and Willow, the puppy. I would say with a younger, fearful dog, as long as the other dog is, uh, the other dog meaning like the, the random person's dog is open and willing and very obviously ready to play and have fun, I think that I would just like let that happen because obviously your dog needs some 
definitely needs some confidence building and some exposure and desensitization. So I would allow that to happen uh, as long as it's a good thing for your dog. Like the dogs aren't overpowering your dog and dominating your dog and pinning your dog and correcting your dog. I think having another dog in encounter would be a good idea in your case. All right, you guys, the next question comes from Ash Daddy 73 Tis the season for fireworks. Five-star review. Thank you. Hey there, I've had dogs my whole life, and now I've begun to foster. Your podcast and YouTube channels help me a lot to encounter training or behavior issues with my fosters. My question is, though counter... Though, counters upon my personal dog, we live in D.C. close to the mall. Recently, they've been practicing for the annual fireworks show. Now that there's fireworks displays year-round, we live on top of the floor... We live on a top floor of the apartment building. As a result, we hear the shows all the time, and there's never been an issue. About a week ago, I was walking my personal dog and foster at night at around dusk, and they practiced fireworks burst nearly over our heads. The foster dog, who had been shot by a shotgun, that's a whole other story, looked up to say, meh, I've had worse, whereas my dog freaked out. The foster was has been adopted, but my dog is terrified to go out near dusk into the night. I have tried treats, lure, toys, no avail. Any suggestions? Well, I think, you know, this is one of those things I talk about a lot. I can't do anything, and nobody else in the world can do anything about thunder or fireworks. So uh, the the best thing that you can do is get your dog out and try to desensitize, but if you can't really desensitize to fireworks because it's like an invisible war that's going on that your dogs are naturally instinctually going to be afraid of. So to be honest, the absolute best thing to do is avoid these at all costs. And for anybody else out there, Uh, I've talked about this before, but nobody can do anything about thunder and fireworks if your dogs are afraid of them, other than like medication and things like that. This is an innate primal thing that you can't correct, you can't train. If your dog doesn't like these things, you just have to avoid it. So... All right, guys, next one. JPass725, too social. Love the podcast, five-star review. Thank you so much. Uh, You have been a godsend in training me, therefore I have been a better at training my dog. My eight-month-old German Shepherd is a really friendly pup and loves people and other dogs. She's really leash reactive, though, and it's based out of frustration and wanted to say hi to everyone. But she is scary looking and her hackles go up when walking through the neighborhood and we see friends that she'll start lunging and barking. It scares little kids and I don't want anyone to approach her in this state. But I also know how much she loves kids and people and know that this is not her being aggressive, but worry she may get a reputation with the neighbors. I've been working hard on obedience and having her look at me, sit down during these times, and it's better it's better with passerbys, but those <clears throat> but for those friends and neighbors that want to stop and talk to me, how do I stop all the drama? Control. That's your that's your answer. <clears throat> you have to have control. If your dog isn't under control, then you're not going to be able to to be successful. That's it. If, if you don't have control of your dog under these circumstances, then you're, it's the same thing that you guys just heard in this podcast, literally the same thing. Anybody, and I'll probably keep doing this for the rest of time until I get to a point where I'm just going to hit buttons and answer questions because they're all the same. You have to have control. If your dog is out of control, then no matter if your dog is reactive or fearful or insecure or aggressive, you're not going to be able to be successful or even excited. You know, you, you got to have that control. And that's what's happening is you're going out, just like in this podcast, and we're working on things that have, uh, you know, real life scenarios. And if your obedience isn't good and your control isn't good, you're not going to be successful. And that's that's what's going on. So anyway... Hope this helps. Wish you the best of luck. Thank you guys so much for listening, supporting the podcast. We'll talk to you on Wednesday, tomorrow. Bye.
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.